welcome to Coaching from the Sofa. I'm Shane Lord. I'm Rob Harvey. Episode two. Let's go. I was in the bathroom and I said, I spoke to the bloke on the phone and I said, uh, you didn't let in this bathroom rubbish. She went, well, oh, you shouldn't be on it in the bathroom. I'm buzzing that the audio should be much better today. I actually said to my son this morning that um, I told him that I was doing this and, and said that uh, actually on, on the scale of uh, the media stuff that I, and I did this morning with Eamon and Ruth and I said I think this this is going to pip it up, up there as well. So, <laughs> Welcome back, week two. We haven't crashed and burned, we're back again. We have managed to uh, provide a guest for this week. <laughs> yeah, we have Rob and to be honest I'm really excited for this one. But before we get on to that... Um, there's a bit of an issue with last week's guest. Ben wants to come back. He wants to come back. Well, there's no surprise. We're all about giving the fans what they want. And I think the fans want to hear Ben again. So it's only fair that we bring him back. And to be fair, he's come up with his very own section. So, ben, so Ben's written his own feature, even though he's invited himself back. Premiering today in today's show is Cooperman's Rant. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be a corker. I can't wait to hear what his rant is today, actually. We need to, well, I think we need to get him a jingle. Yeah, he needs he needs an intro, some sort of a uh, theme tune would be fantastic for him. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. We'll see, we'll see if we can pull out all the stops and get him a a nice little intro for Cooperman's rant. This week we had a new feature for our for our own team. Back into training this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good to see all the lads back. Um, well, I say all, most of them. We could do with a few more numbers at next week's training, but we'll we'll let, we'll let them get used to it. Yeah, yeah. No, taking it online, moving into a Zoom training session, which. Uh, to start with, we're just strength and conditioning this week, wasn't it? We'll hopefully bring a ball in next couple of weeks, add a little session in, but to get them back into it, just introduce them to a quick yeah. online fitness session. Yeah, I think it's nice just to get everyone in the same room, just out a virtual room, that is, of course, but get everyone in the same virtual room and have a conversation just to see everyone, make sure everyone's okay, uh, and do a bit of fitness. It was it was really enjoyable. Uh, be interested to see what Ben's view was on that as well because we dragged him in didn't we to keep his referee in fitness we did no, we did to the high level that he's become accustomed we to we did and i did did receive a text from him the next day so it'll be interesting to hear his uh views on here later on so i'm also excited for our guest today Rob. very excited mike karen coming on someone you know personally shane but also worked with as well you know what he's like he's- absolutely he's one of the nicest guys you will ever get to meet and i'm really excited to hear what he's got to say i'm really looking forward to it i think it's going to be a cracking show Let's get going. Let's get Ben on. Hello, Benny. Hello, hello. Hello, How are you doing? You right? Pleased to be back, Ben, already? Hey. Pleased to be back? Have you got any of that, Rob? You sound like an alien, Ben. I'm in the kitchen and my internet's with Sky, so obviously it's not going to be great. That's my problem as well. I was in the bathroom and I said, I spoke to the bloke on the phone and I said, uh, the internet in the bathroom rubbish. He went, well, you shouldn't be on it in the bathroom. <laughs> that ain't the point, is it? We've already got our soundbite for this week's episode, Ben. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the intro sorted. Lovely stuff. That fitness was good. Hard going, but it was good. You enjoy it, yeah? Yeah, good fun. It's good. No, I felt knackered after, so what you want, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's good. No, to be fair, the first one will always feel worse because if you're just not used to it, um, the next day you should hurt. But hopefully, we'll sort of bring it, mix it up a little bit, and it'll be good. Right, let's get Mike in. Hello, 
Mike. Thank you so much for doing this, Mike. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me. Signed shirt on the background as well, we can see. It's, that's a little Oakley signed shirt. So that was when, um, you know, you get presentation evening gifts. Well, that yeah. was, um, yeah, I didn't even know it was there. It looks, looks like I've set that up, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> it really does look like you've, <laughs> it does, you've thought it? about this. I did, yeah. I was going to do with a bookcase one like politicians do. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't got a bookcase. <laughs> I have got a bookcase. Who has that many books in? Oh, I have got a bookcase right there, but it's full of Man United biographies. It looks like really set up, so. <laughs> that looks even worse. That's perfect. I'm glad you picked up on that, Mike, because I, I, I always say, like, why is there so many books in these people's houses? Have I got something wrong here? <laughs> I know. Because Nobody reads them. No anymore, one reads them. No chance. <laughs> it's staged. I think it's staged. Everyone has to do a, an interview from a library now to make themselves look intelligent, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> They're not even books anymore. So, Mike, you're responsible for economic growth and leisure at Tendering District Council, event director of Clacton Air Show, which sees around a quarter of a million visitors over two days, Little Oakley FC's child welfare officer, local music sensation as you regularly gig <laughs> as a solo artist, and most importantly, you're a Manchester United fan, and you're the second guest that we've had on that is also a Man United fan, and Rob's a Liverpool fan, so it's... 2-0 to me at the moment <laughs> in, in stakes of fans. Did I get all of that right, Mike? Well, I, I'm not sure about music sensation, Shane. It's the best introduction I've ever had in my life. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yes. We're here to please. <laughs> Mike, how have, you, how have you found lockdown? Um, it's, it's been strange, Rob. I've, um, I've kind of got used to it after a while because um, I, I like to be busy all the time. So uh, twiddling my thumbs is just not for me. I, I, I struggle with it. So... Uh, I've, I've done things I've never done in my life before. Like, I've just made some rock cakes. I mean, how bad is that? <laughs> I've never cooked anything in my life and I'm baking. You've turned like, to baking. I have, I've turned to baking. I don't know what's happened to me. I really don't. <laughs> but like, um, Rock cakes, you'd, you didn't get the memo about the banana bread then? No, no I thought I'd do something different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think essentially I'm still the same person I was when I was 12. And I remember making them in like um, home economics in high school. So... I, uh, I'm probably reverting back to being a, a 12-year-old. But that kind of takes away my, my next question. But I was going to say, what have you been up to? So <laughs> baking has kind of uh, become your, your new thing, is it? Well, it's filling the gaps. I think, uh, like, I'm, I, obviously, I do a lot of music. So um, I, I've, like, I've not put my guitar down, really, in between. And been doing these kind of uh, Saturday night kind of lockdown gigs on the, uh, on, on the internet over, over social media. And I've really enjoyed that. I, I, I got kind of, I wouldn't say persuaded to do it, but a few people said, oh, why didn't you do it? And I thought, I'm doing that to like six people and my, my brother and my mum sort of sitting watching me or but my brother pretending to watch me. But um, I think every week there's been like over 100 people like um, w watching and I, I've been quite blown away by it all, really. I, they probably haven't got anything to do either. So Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> they're probably baking rock cakes. <laughs> That's well. amazing. Though. I, just on the basis of your set last night, we just want to do a quick little test to see how much of it you remember. <laughs> so I've written down five questions from last night oh, to see how much of it that you actually remember. So can you remember last night's set? What song did you start with? Oh, gee, Shane, that's a good question. Um, I started with, um, oh, I know it was um, when you were owned by the killers. Correct, Mike, love that. One out of one so far, I'm <laughs> impressed. You know where I come from, you know my story. A lyrics from which song that you sung last night? 
Oh, I know what that was. <laughs> so uh, I know that, that that it's really bad that I do know what it is. But um, a, a, a friend of mine has been asking for me to play this song right the way through because he probably knows that I would hate to play it. <laughs> so it was um, it was uh, that's my goal by Shane Ward, which is an X Factor winner song. <laughs> this is my worst that nightmare. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> two out of two. That's perfect. I didn't think you'd get that one. Um, what was the length of your Facebook Live set in total last night? Uh, well, it would have been just over two hours, I reckon. I started just after eight, I think. So I'm going to say just over two hours. Yeah, We're going to give you that as well, two hours and six minutes. This is a little bit more difficult. <laughs> How many comments were made during the live set? Do you know? I, I, I've genuinely got no idea whatsoever. Um, this number is seriously impressive. It's 1,416 wow, comments that's during incredible. your set last night. Wow. That's... That is absolutely amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and, and just finally to wrap up, um, what song did you finish with? Now I, was, I know what I was gonna finish with, but I definitely didn't. <laughs> so that's thrown me a little bit. I was gonna finish with "Chasing Cars" because somebody had asked me to play that song. So I played that right near the end because I thought that was where it was going to be. Um, that was the penultimate song. It was. Um, I've got to be honest. You've completely thrown me now. I don't know. We'll give you a clue. You said it was a cheesy 80s, 80s oh, classic. Oh, I know what it was. It was, um, it, it was uh, a, a Razor song. Um, I play this song all the time. I can't even think what it's called. Um, we'll help you out. A little respect. A little respect, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, Mike. So we're going to give you four that's, out of yeah. five. That's, that's a great, great effort. Super, very good. Very Congratulations. Good. <laughs> Mike, can I just add a comment that wasn't on Facebook last night? Push come, Ben. Um, it was my daughter, she turned around and reckoned you look like David Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it myself. <laughs> I'm not sure I can either. I'm not even sure if that's a compliment. Is that a compliment, I Mark? I'm not... <laughs> I don't know what to make of that, really. I, I guess it could have been Matt Lucas, it. I guess. <laughs> Mike, before we go to football, I think we should, uh, should touch on your air show. We were looking at football from a coaching perspective. Um, you must be used to coordinating a lot of people. How do you how do you find how do you find coordinating the air show? Oh, do you know what I I, I love it, Rob. It's um, of all the things I do in my job, it's the thing that I I, I love the most. And uh, I think it's not just we, we have a big team that are involved, particularly over the event days. But you have a much wider team um, with all the emergency services and you know everything from the marine police right through to huge contingent from St. John's ambulance and lots of commercial business. And um, I don't know, I think I've always kind of thrived on that kind of um, uh, th that craziness and, and the, uh, and the pressure slightly. And um, I, I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's, uh, I'm very fortunate to be involved in something like that. I, I actually said to my son this morning that um, I told him that I was doing this and, and said that, uh, actually on, on the scale of uh, the media stuff that I've done. I did this morning with Eamon and Ruth and I said, I think this, this is going to pip it up, up there as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Wow, what an accolade yeah. already. We're getting so many sound bites, Mike, oh, but that's another one that's absolutely cracking. <laughs> we, we, we'll take that up there with Eamon and Ruth. Yeah. That's me and you. Just Rob. slightly above uh, Eamon and Ruth, I would say. Stop it, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> and do you think as well, is that something that's in your nature, Mike? You just love that. Because gigging is very much the same as that. You have that pressure. You like the responsibility. And then, you know, you like pushing yourself. 
Yeah, I, I, I guess I've never really thought of it like that, like that. But I am a kind of all or nothing kind of person. So um, I suppose if, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna do an event, then why not do, you know, something that gets caught from many people rather than something small. I, I, I think from the second that I uh, that, that I picked it up, I I just loved every second of it, and um, it's it's you know it's, it's, I, I can remember kind of every year. I think we've been doing it for seven or eight years now. I can remember every year for for some reason or another. But the uh, the buzz when it kind of all starts and you see that that number of people is never diminished. It's always been massively uh, exciting. I, I, I suppose not many people can say that. I guess you get really excited about the job that you're fortunate to do. So yeah, it's it's really quite special. Absolutely. And as it stands currently, that you're in a position that um, obviously you plan and move all that planning instantly to the following year. So it just goes to 2021, everything that you've sort of pre-prepared already? Yeah, that, that, that's right. So we, we never look to stand still. We always try to change it and refresh it and, and pick up on things that I didn't go right or things that we could do better. But um, yeah, we pretty much start uh, uh, in, in the October after the August. And uh, yeah, there's a really small but dedicated team who, who do a lot of the day, sort of day-to-day organising. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a special thing to be part of. Yeah, it's a massive local event. I think it brings so much joy to so many people. And it's just amazing to be at the figurehead of that, Mike, and to be the man that pulls it all together. Yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite strange, really, because, you know, a lot of people have, have said that over the course of time, but it never kind of feels that way when, when you're involved. But there's been, you know, there's been some occasions where we've had um, a lot of media scrutiny in certain years. And uh, and uh, I think that that's where the pressure really got kind of ramped up, where you get national news channels coming to see what you do and um, international uh, as well, sort of CNN and, and Sky and BBC and, and, and so on and, and doing, you know, like... And our podcast. Uh, uh, absolutely. As I said before, <laughs> this, this is up there with that. It's... <laughs> <laughs> How did you get involved with football, Mike? How did you get involved um, at Little Oakley and as child welfare officer? Well, I, I hadn't lived in this area that long, and a, a friend invited me to go and play football on a Sunday afternoon, just uh, just five aside. And at the end of it, um, one of the guys there uh, who, who knew the kind of job that I did uh, said that oh, he's going to be—he was a teacher. He said I'm going to be spending half term looking for somebody to run. Um, uh, a girls' football arm of of the club, and I was going, uh, oh great, that, that sounds really good. And uh, about thirty seconds passed, and he said, yeah, I'm I'm looking for somebody to run the girls' football arm of Little Oakley Football Club. Well, oh, really? That's a really exciting thing to do. And I just carried on getting dressed, you know, telling myself down. And yes, he said, I'm looking. So eventually, I, I picked up what he was saying, and um, he said it will only be a real small thing, and uh, you know, it'll, it'll just be a start and finish type of thing, and. Um, yeah, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, I don't know, 16 years later, I'm kind of still involved with the club. I did 10 years of, uh, of coaching. I took team from under eights through to, uh, through to under 18s and, and loved every minute. Um, and although I, I don't do um, any more coaching at the moment in time, I, it's definitely something I miss and want to get back involved in. And I, I love doing the, the club welfare side. And luckily it's an amazing club and expanded so much over the last few years. Absolutely. What they do for the local area is incredible. Uh, do you, um, you've done badges yourself? Yeah, I've, um, I've, only, I've only done my FA level one. So I, although I'm kind of a student of coaching, so um, I think from word go, I, I used to read and read and read. Again, I think I said before, I'm a all or nothing type of person. So w- once I was doing it, I, was, I wanted to do the best job that I could. And 
um, you know, I'd got lots of resources and if I was going to do a session on something, I'd want to know everything about, you know, what to do and the technical sides and, um, and particularly the, it's very different coaching. I say very different, but you evolve the way you coach a seven-year-old to the way you coach an 18-year-old and uh, as you guys were well aware. Um, so yeah, I wanted to get that and pitch it right. So I've, it's been amazing. I love doing it. If it's something you're passionate about, you get so much enjoyment out of it. And it must be incredible to see a team through for a period of time like that, working with them over so many years. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what? I, I, I was thinking about this quite recently that um, you know, the first two or three years were, were, were a real struggle. You know, we, we, there was already an under eights team in the town. So uh, a lot of the guys that, that, that I had, the seven, six and seven year olds that I had were, were um, um, they, they weren't progressed as footballers. They'd all come in at that stage and, um, and we had two or three lean years and we got a few, a few drop-ins and you're losing 11, 12 nil and, and you're trying to re-motivate him at the end of it. But, um, but you know, I, I suppose for me, it was always, uh, it's about development. It's not about winning at that age. And I know that it's a very mixed bag and people have very different views about that thing. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong in winning at 10, 11 years. There's nothing wrong whatsoever with that. But you can't lose sight of the fact that it's about progressing them and you should teach them how to play and not teach them how to win. Um, uh, and I think after two or three years, when they turned the corner and, and started to to look like a side, it, it was just one of the most exciting things I've been involved in it, in, in my life. And I don't say that sort of lightly. And then you know, so later on, they won a couple of league titles. Um, you know, we got through to two or three uh, cup finals. Didn't, didn't quite win them, but um, you know, to, to see that progression from there and, and see some of the lads who were in my sort of youth football team now playing for their local first team um it's it's quite special i really enjoy that very must be very rewarding seeing them through training them as you say starting so young and then seeing them progress to such a good level must be a really rewarding feeling for you it 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 definitely is i like i remember the the first time um what, what one of the guys uh you know is a regular for the first team um and he was playing um for the, his first full season in the first game playing against Hashtag in a huge grassroots side and um, he went past their full back and squared it for, um, for, for an equaliser in that game was, was up there with my favourite sort of moments in football to watch, to watch this guy who I'd had my side since he was about 10 um, to, to do that as a, I think he was a 16 year old at the time and everyone was going wow this guy is a bit special uh, that's excellent, that's excellent. We, um, we actually on the, on the subject of a non-league and Sunday league for us uh, we had a question sent in from uh, Shane's old man he was uh, he was keen to see where, where we think Sunday League will be or non-league will be in the next 50 years which is a long time um, but it's, I think it's a very interesting question I just wonder what your thoughts were really yeah that, that, that's a brilliant question really I'd, to, to be honest I, I, I think at the moment grassroots is kind of where it's at for me because it's you know, football's my passion. I've loved football since I was old enough to to kick a ball and, and, and I suppose watch Man United play. And but there's, there's a lot of the um, the real integrity gone out of football uh, over the years, and I suppose money and and everything. And so grassroots is is really where it's at. But I, I guess it's an interesting question about where it'll go because grassroots has progressed so much and got far more professional over uh, over recent years. Um, I suppose my hope is that grassroots will maintain its authenticity and won't sort of move into that um, realm of, of of being um, over the top and full of, I don't know, 
be Madonna's to some degree, and uh, I, I hope it maintains that. And and I think watching, seeing 150, 180 people going to watch grassroots football games is is, is really quite special. I, I think you you kind of get that same feeling that I, I you know I remember going back you know watching United back in the in, in the eighties as a kid and and you know I kind of still get that feeling going to watch Little Oakley over on a Saturday afternoon that that country and chatting to the same people you only see once a week and um, I, I hope that's where. Uh, Grassroots football and Sunday football will, will stay uh, in, in that kind of proper working class roots that football always had. I mean, at our level, Mike, something that's apparent, I think a lot of teams seem to struggle with the cost of it. Um, and finance is, is a massive part of certainly, certainly Sunday league football, um, how much it costs to play per game, pitch fees. Is that something in your role at the council that you're directly involved with? Um, not not directly, um, uh, uh, but we're involved with lots of different types of fees and charges. Not directly with that one, um, and and I think you know I, I think it's always quite a um, a balancing act because sport is my passion and uh, has been since I was a kid, and now in many ways it's my profession as well. And, and trying to um, balance the two about trying to ensure that facilities are financially sustainable with ensuring that that sport is uh, financially sustainable at a voluntary level is, is, is always a, um, a difficult balancing act because I suppose if the council's not got the funds to support facilities, sports centres and, and open space and, and recreation grounds, then they won't be there anyway or they won't be maintained. Um, but on the, on, on the flip side, of that, if, you, if, you, if, you, um, if you overprice and you, you, you can't sustain grassroots sports, then you know you won't have anybody to play on them. It, it, it is a fine balancing act, I, I, which is always a, a quandary. Uh, I think I, I, over over the last ten years, you know, the, the council I work for has um, has lost half its budget. You know, gone from sort of twenty four million down to twelve million. That's some, you know, imagine losing fifty percent of your household budget. It's it's wildly significant. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, we, we've tried to do our best to try to balance things out. We haven't always got that right um, around sports pitches. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think if there was an opportunity to reduce them, I'm, I'm sure that's what we would do. But um, I think where we stand at the moment is just with that. that do you constantly act. review that kind of thing? Then is that is that kind of a constant cycle trying to make sure it's all balanced right? Yeah, very much so. I, I think every year we review them, and I, and I think over recent years they, they've tended to be frozen over, over the last, I think, three or four years. Uh, you might correct me there, but I, I think in the main that they've been frozen around a lot of uh, sports fees and charges for, for that for that reason to try to ensure that you know we we, we strike the right balance and, and get it right and where there's no need to increase them then we, we we never do it's always a case of trying to to balance out you know what, what's affordable for for because at the end of the day it's, it's it's public money um it's what's affordable for the public person um but yeah trying to ensure that we get the right balance so we don't lose grassroots sports teams another factor uh, around grassroots football is definitely volunteers and people giving up their time. Um, and this is from a committee level and at a club level. And sadly, someone who did so much for Colchester District Sunday League, the secretary, Elsie Hewitt, sadly passed away this week. Frankly, someone like her is irreplaceable. You've got so many people at the helm of these leagues and divisions that are you know, putting in so much time and effort to ensure that we can play football. And there are no new blood replacing those people. 
um, and where do we go if the volunteers aren't there to to put their time and effort into ensuring these things run as well as they can yeah it's really um really difficult isn't it to replace these people and you don't i don't think people that players especially people who are involved with running clubs understand the effort putting but she literally i could send her an email at 10 at night and she'd reply at 11. like she was always available it's unbelievable but um she also was so so much authority as well like she told you to you had to do something by the next day you would make sure you do it you need to be a strong character to do them sort of jobs but is there anyone that wants that sort of commitment about to take over and that's what i worry about with sort of grassroots football that the people running it when you lose them is replacing them up i think that's a massive problem because it, it's a full-time job it literally is a full-time job Ben's come up with his own feature that he wants to see on the pod every week. Are you ready for this, Mike? Brace yourself. <laughs> Cooperman's rant. It's nothing to do with coronavirus. It's nothing to do with overpaid footballers. Nothing to do with that. It's one thing that really riles me. And it's getting worse. Big tournaments do it. It started with small clubs doing it. And now it's happening in major tournaments. It's goal music. It absolutely infuriates me. When that ball hits the net and they want to play music, why? There's no need. I've seen it in the, in the World Cup. The goal goes in, we've got music. But why? Let the fans enjoy that moment. It used to be small clubs used to do it to build up the atmosphere. It's ridiculous. I've been in grounds where a team's, a home team's 5-0 down. They've scored and they're playing music. The last thing them fans want to hear is music. They want the board out. They want the manager out. I don't want to sing song. Okay, Mike, as our as our music guru, I'm going to throw this one over to you. What's your What's your opinion on that music after goals? Are we a fan? Yes or no? I'm fan. I'm totally with Ben on this one. I I think that this is another situation with a you know f- football trying to turn itself into the West End or something like that. It, it, it's it's crazy. I, I, do, do you know what? There's no better feeling in 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 the world than 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 an important goal and to celebrate in one of those important goals. We've all, we've all had those moments where, where you're at a game and that moment is priceless. Well, I have to say, on the, uh, on the other side of that, Millwall last year, we had to go to every home game and they, they play, after every time they score, they play a song. And it, it's part of the celebration. Everyone cheers, everyone celebrates the goal. The song's going through a bit and then it gets to a certain point and they all cheer at the end of it. It's kind of another, it's like a secondary cheer. So, it's kind of been incorporated as a, you obviously, initially you hear the roar because they don't play it instantly. And then someone obviously presses the button wherever it is, presses that button to turn it on. That plays out as everyone's walking back. It always times pretty much perfectly. And then they all kind of roar again at the end of it. So does this mean you're a fan of that then, Rob? I'm not saying I'm not a fan of it. And I'm not saying I am a fan of it. All I'm saying Listen is... That. When I was Mr. Sat Non-controversial there, doesn't want to upset any Millwall fans. That's what, what it is. It was, I was sat there and all I, have to, all I have to say to it is I joined in every time we scored. So I was it's sat in, there and can help it. I've seen it backfire as well. It happened at Middlesbrough a few years ago. Middlesbrough scored. And um, obviously their fans celebrated. They put their music on. They all went wild. Trouble was, we went straight out of the other end and went back ahead. I think if you get it right, I think there's a place for it. I don't think it should be there all the time. I think some teams, 
having just a jingle is different. So Millwall had their actual song. They play it before the game. They play it during the game. It, it was a, it's part of it. Whereas if you have a team who just suddenly plays a random jingle just to kind of ramp the crowd up a bit, I think that's a bit different. I think the slight concern for me is, is where, where this is going. You know, we're not a million miles away from having like some sort of dance routine on, on the stands or, you know, to sort of make cheerleaders, majorettes, there'll be something like that going on. And I, I, I don't know, where, where's it all going? It was when it came in, when the World Cup room brought it in, I thought, we've got problems here. I need to bring this up. So we might be TV adverts for throwing soon, Ben. I think that could be the next stage, yeah? Yeah, honestly. That, that's the thing. And the VAR, I can imagine that will happen as well, where... There's a decision, like in the rugby, and then the, rug, the rugby league, it has like a little thing going on the side, on the screen, of a, like someone waiting for the decision. Like, we don't want that to Mike, we ask all of our guests a few questions. You might have heard Ben answer some of these last week. So we'll start off with your favourite player of all time. Um, that's quite an easy one for me. My favourite player of all time is Brian Robson. Um, he, he was kind of my era, and I was going to Old Trafford during those early days where, where United signed him for world record, or British record, I think, at the time anyway. Um, I think history kind of always masks over how good players are, and I'm sure every club would say the same thing. But um, I, I would put Robson in front of Keane. And, and I think uh, a lot of people would disagree with that. But I think we forget how good Robson was. And he played in a very average United side. And he could do everything. And there's very few players who have that, that technique, that steal. He was great in the air, scored, you know, always scored um, a, a really respectable number of goals for a midfield player. And he, not just for United, but for England as well. Played in very average international sides, very average United sides. but but sometimes would drag you over the line and uh, he, he was a real player. That's a great choice, Mike. <laughs> the best game you've watched live at any level and or played in. So if you used to play as well, and there's one that sticks out in your memory, um, but the best game that you've watched live, again, it can be any level and you can pick a non-league one and a Premier League one, should you wish. Um, I think in, in terms of the, um, the, the top level one was, uh, I was really fortunate enough to go to Turin in 1999 to see the Wow. semi-final of the Champions League um, so that, that is the standout game for me I'll, something I'll never forget for the rest of my life and first time United had been to a European final since 1967 68 um, and um, I, I think the game was, was, was out of this world and something I'll never forget for the rest of my life everything about it was, was stunning um, in terms of like a game I've been involved in, um, it was it was a game. I'm not going to mention the opposition here for for, for reasons, but the uh, it was a grassroots game and one that I was coaching. And I think the lads were under 14s and under 15s, and we just won the B League title and we were playing in the in a semi final of, uh, of of a cup. And before the game, uh, I went over to have a chat with a manager who's a lovely guy. He kind of made a really off the cuff comment about, "Oh, this would be good experience for your lads playing against an A League side and stuff like that." So I kind of went over and repeated that to to, to our lads, and uh, I think I think within <laughs> twenty five minutes we were three 0 up, and um, I'll, I'll never forget at half time um, just sort of sitting back and listening to the manager screaming, "Blue daylight!" Going into you know, it was literally veins coming out of his neck, and and, and we ended up winning that game. I think four four one. It's a game I'll never forget, but. I think on on sort of quiet days you can still hear him shouting if you if you listen clearly when there's no wind. <laughs> it was that loud. It was brilliant. I'll never forget that game. 
The first football kit that you bought? Uh, do you know what? The, the, my uh, favourite kit, it was, um, I had the the white, I think it was 77 United kit. So it was a white uh, away kit with the three stripes, three black stripes. Um, still my favourite kit. And um, I used to wear it to death. And um, uh, my mum put um, a number seven on the back. Didn't didn't have like uh, players' names on the back in those days. Um, it sounds how old I am. But I used to go down to the local park <laughs> And um, if you this this makes me sound like I was watching Stanley Matthews, but we used to go down to the local park, and there was a pavilion there with with a park keeper. So there's actually park keepers in those days, and he used to go into this into this pavilion. And uh, if you got there early enough, he basically gave you these two posts. Now the posts were two like broom handles in in in, in a block of wood. So you used to get there like you'd give him a watch or something to exchange. And you'd go out with, with the posts. And for the rest of the day, everybody wanted to join in your game because you had the posts. And I used to wear this white Man United kit with number seven on the back. I used to think I was the, the sort of king of town with, with, with that. But it's my favourite kit. And a, a few years back, um, I, I always used to mention this to, to my boys who are both United fans. And a few years back, um, for, for my Christmas present, uh, one of my son's um, bought me the uh, like a retro tracksuit of that of that kit. Oh dear me, yeah. Wow. I, I was to say that I was emotional about it was was an understatement. But you get so attached to these things, don't you? Broom handles for goals. We used to have to put up with jumpers, <laughs> didn't we, Ben? That was the best we had. Jumpers for goalposts. I'm just thinking about the bloke who took the watches. He paid a million selling watches, yes. Before you never asked for it back. I mean, the broom handles probably cost about a quid to make or what have you. We were exchanging it for a watch, you know. It, was, it didn't make any sense. He needed the handles back. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Visions of them jumpers for goalposts, Shane. That's over the bar, that's over the bar. Yeah, wide of the post that went round the post. Yeah, posting in. Yeah, posting in. (laughs) What was the uh, the best coach that's inspired you, and why? And again, this doesn't necessarily have to be football related. It can be anything from your life. But the best coach that you've seen at work that's inspired you, and why? Um, uh, Well. I think I've, I've said this quite a lot over the years, but uh, when I was uh, 14, 15, 16, I had a coach. Um, his name was Anthony Stanley, but everyone called him Stan. And um, he was like a football guru, an unbelievable player. And he had an injury, I think, when he was younger. Otherwise, I'm, I'm sure he would have gone on to do uh, huge, huge things. And um, it, he, he wasn't just a, um, a football coach. He was just somebody who had a massive impact on me in my life. And I... I mean, he's, he's a great friend of mine now and uh, I, I kind of reflect back on, on how important his influence was on me, not just through football, but just as a, as, as a human being and um, just his enthusiasm for life and the way he, he, he just treated everything. And I, I, I think it, you know, it's like what, what you guys do now. It's, it's such, a, such a, a privileged position to be in because I don't think it matters what level that you're, that you're coaching at or managing at you do forget sometimes that you have a massive influence over people's lives and, um, and Stan certainly had a massive influence o- o- over me. So that, that, that's quite an easy one for me because it's something I've reflected back on. When I, when I was 21, I was leaving North Wales where I, where I come from um, and Stan and I were coaching together at that point. And um, I, I'll never forget wow. that he gave me a lift back home and, um, and I was getting the, the train, I think, the following day to, to, move, to move away. 
And, um, and he gave me this card and there was 20 quid in that card. And it was a huge amount of money to me at the time. It went like massively affluent. And I, you know, that, that, that was the guy who, who sort of coached me when I was 15, 14, 15, 16, I don't know. And uh, yeah, massive influence on my life. And yeah, i never forget how, uh, how amazing he was. There's that amazing quote, isn't there, that a coach will impact more people in one year than the average person will in an entire lifetime. We're still trying to get together. You know, this week we had a Zoom call uh, training we're trying to keep in touch with the boys we're trying to keep things together um ben actually joined in that's why he's making some funny sh- funny faces on the camera at the moment <laughs> nearly killed me rob nearly killed <laughs> he me. struggled a little bit with it but as you said <laughs> you can be um a bit of a light for people can't you you know you can have give give them a little bit of a way out and um something to aim for and something to work on yeah you know i'm, I'm a friend of mine was was telling me several years ago there was a there was a player in his side who you know he led a really challenging life difficult upbringing and and so on and you know he he uh he, you know he made the point that if you know probably that was the only structure that he had in his life going along to those those coaching sessions and um you know you 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 can uh influence somebody to a point where that you can stick them down a different track than maybe the one that they were going to go on you know i always remember what one of the guys he used to do um used to play for for one of our teams that he um you know, again, he had he had a challenge in life, but I used to find him. You know, he had to struggle at school, but he, I used to find him um, incredibly courteous and respectful. If you asked him to go and pick up the cones, he was the first one to go and do it. He's always appreciative. Again, I kind of thought that was probably the only structure and that 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 he had where there was some level of order to what he was doing, rather than you know um, maybe what he had in in his sort of home life. So yeah, it, it's a very privileged position to be in and, and I think sometimes we, we, we forget that is you, you you end up influencing a lot of people you're absolutely right Shane oh, I think I think that's a uh, very true I think there's so many things as a coach that you can't control that when you get the chance to uh, control it and it actually has a positive impact on someone I mean I've only been doing it well about six months really through through the PT and through um, coaching with with Great Oakley but like from a personal training point of view, which is slightly away from the football, it it can be something that's massively life changing for people because they, it's a it's a lifestyle change. It's not just a case of you pick up some weights and you suddenly you're doing some exercise. It's a case of right, I haven't actually done anything or I'm recovering from an injury or bad people who have have had like things going in their life, which has meant they haven't done stuff because it's not their confidence. Uh, so to actually get back into exercise and be the person to kind of not not turn my life around because they're the ones who have approached you but to actually be able to help them get on a path to I mean just seeing the improvement physically as well as the mental side it's it's a it's rewarding and when you sort of step back and look at it and you kind of think I'm actually doing a job which I I love so for me it doesn't feel like a task and actually you're actually giving someone a massive step forward in their personal life which they wouldn't necessarily have had without that kind of intervention and it's uh it is, yeah, as you say, when you reflect on things like that, it does make it kind of seem quite mad how many people you can affect and how much a little thing you can do is is actually massive for someone else. So it's we take a lot of things for granted. Um, and actually coaching is one of those, I think. I think it's a big part of where I want to keep going towards. Brilliant. Mike, have you got any questions for us? And you can ask any of us if you want to ask any questions. My question to you guys is, um, c- coaching-wise, well, one thing that I always used to used to ponder about 
um, the change between, say, youth football and older youth football, even 18 level up in the, than into senior football, which you do. Um, you know, when you want to make sort of technical coaching points and you're doing a session and you want to say, stop a minute and about, about how, how guys who are some of them quite experienced sort of grassroots footballers are going to react to that. I don't really, I'm not going to learn anything from you. I'm just here to play. You know, what, how, how, how do you deal with that? And, um, you know, because that's, that's always something I've really, I've been quite interested in. I, th- I think for, for our boys, every time I've been involved and I've had something to say, or even Shane has something to say, like they, all they want to do is listen and understand. I think we, what, um, Shane does very well is articulate why he's saying something. So he won't just say, for example, you've stopped it and you've said, oh, you didn't play it forward. He'll say you didn't play it forward quick enough because somebody was going to now close you down or the, the option was on earlier. So you could have got us in behind. There'll always be something that he'll say to back up why he's, why he's done it. And I think the same, same from my point of view. Whenever I said something, I feel like we, if we back it up, the boys just all take it. Oh, I mean, it's quite a young squad. Uh, overall so they are all um of a good age where we can really help them and actually still have a long time of playing and hopefully we have a good impact on that but i think because we say something and we believe in it they 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 do all seem to buy into it i don't think we i wouldn't not say something put it that way i wouldn't feel like i can if i think something i would say it to the boys and i don't think anyone they might if i said it and they and they completely disagreed then i might they might bat me back but i i don't think they would i think they they would at least try it and then they'd maybe question certain certain things, but I don't think it would be a... I think it's a really interesting point that you raise, Mike, but something that I think underpins all of that is that most people really deep down want to improve. So it doesn't matter what level you play at, if you're of the mindset that you want to get better, then generally you will listen. Um, outwardly, I think you'll get some players that maybe will appear on the surface that they're not taking it in or they don't want to take it in because maybe they know better. Maybe they think they've had better experiences or, you know, they, they, they don't want to change, but ultimately I think most players want to improve and there's a desire from everyone to be better. So unless you're winning five, six, seven nil every week and not conceding any goals, it's hardly ever going to happen in football. There is always areas for improvement. Uh, and as a team game, you can always improve. There is never, you could be the best, the best team in the world and technically still improve uh, on any area across the whole pitch, couldn't you? And I think that underlying is once you've got people that are willing to improve, it doesn't matter again what level you're at. That, is, that probably overrides anything else in football um, with the willingness to learn. And we are, again, so fortunate with our lads genuinely all we want to do is um, improve our football and win more games. That's the, the ultimate goal is to, to win more uh, and, and play better football. So without coaching, how will you achieve the goal? Uh, you're going to have to step in and you're going to have to take some of those points on board. Um, and again, I think we're really lucky because the guys are, are, seem to be totally behind us with that and we're all driving in the same direction. But I think it doesn't matter again there's a lot of people that say, oh, what day you play football? On the, 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 the surface of it, does it make any difference? Whether you play on a Monday, whether you play on a Wednesday, whether you play on a Saturday, whether you're paid to play or whether you play for fun. If you want to improve and you're working hard to try and do that, then you're getting something out of football. Uh, and it's a great life lesson and a great life skill. 
Yeah, that's that, that's a really nice, uh, eloquent way of summing it up. I, I I agree, and it sounds like you've got a good culture where where you are. And I I, I think you know I'm, I'm not saying that that's that's uncommon. I'm sure that it's done that it's not. But I think that if if you if you don't have that culture of learning, then it becomes a bit a bit chaotic. And I think you have to have that that, that structure that you've clearly got, which um, it's, it's a recipe for for. Uh, the future as well it's you, you know you're progressively going to improve all the time rather than just mull around and then you know go in cycles you lose players you know and, and so on yeah and, and again there's nothing to say there's nothing wrong with just having a game of football with your friends you know but you you will struggle to improve unless you are attacking your weaknesses or, or looking at you know the ways that you can improve if, if you if you don't actually dissect it and work out where things are going wrong if you just keep playing together and keep playing yeah you'll get to know each other a little bit better but you're not gonna you're not gonna make the leaps that you would if you actually um you know going towards it with a with a structure and a plan yeah de- definitely yeah sounds like you're the type of club that uh, that i'd enjoy playing at if you fancy a 49 year old has been <laughs> <laughs> what what position do you play, Mike? Well, I, I used to be a right sided midfield player, a winger, but I, I think those days have long since passed me by. <laughs> I played a Vets game uh, a few years ago, and um, in, in the first 10 minutes, I remember um, uh, Lee Beasley, have you, Lee? But he was playing his top player, he's playing central midfield. And in the first sort of five minutes of the game, one of our ex players. They, 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 of course, of course. Um, he, he, was, he was putting these lovely floated balls into the, into the, 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 the sort of channels for me to chase after. So for five minutes, I was electric. I was getting in behind their fullback. Yeah, but for the next 85, he, he carried on doing that saying, he's passing to my feet. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you're always welcome to come and play, Mike. We, we, we will arrange some charity games and some vets games and we'll definitely get you down and get you involved. I'd love to. They want to slow the game down. We can't guarantee the quality of the referee, but um... <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get Lee Basley putting his worldly ball. He could try and pass that, didn't he? That one? He could. He was... We actually had a comment just while we're in the subject of Lee Beasley. Uh, we had a comment about him on Twitter recently because he used to play Sunday league games with a bin bag under his t shirt so that it made him sweat more because he, well, he's under the impression that he'd lose more weight, I think, Ben. Was that the idea behind it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also, while he was running around with his bin bag, had his inhaler, and he got told to put his inhaler down. <laughs> the referee came up to him once and said, you are using that as a weapon. <laughs> you, and he broke <laughs> like, he took it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make it up, can you? But for his quality as well, he could... Like, as a player, he would wind people up like so well. He, he knew how to play the opposition. He was very good. I'm at sure it. He, he he was the um he was playing for local reserves for at least a season, and with a lot of young players. And and he was just the right person at the right time. The way he he cajoled and encouraged and and skippered those those young guys. He he, he was brilliant to watch. I mean, I think he even that was probably towards the, the last stage of his of his career. Uh, he used to make the game look so easy at times. He could almost play in a in a small space, uh, like a quarterback. And but it, it, I, I really enjoyed listening to him, you know, speaking to the younger lads. Oh, really, really good. Understood the game really well. I was relatively young when he started playing for Oakley, and his his support and that, and when he give you a compliment, when I, I wasn't very good, but he gave me a compliment, and I would put ten times more effort in because he mm. would build me up. And I can imagine like. With young lads at a better level, he's fantastic. 
And just because it might be funny, Mike, did you say you had a question for Ben? Yeah, I've got a question, Ben. I'm just going to give you the context of this question because it's, it's, it's a very brief story, but uh, ben, ben was refereeing a game. And, and actually, the play, I'm going to mention his name, but the, the, the player I'm talking about is a guy called Greg Roger, who plays for the local like, first team now, and he's a top guy. Uh, Greg, Greg is... A uh, lovely, lovely. It was lovely kid from for the age of ten. Respectful, nice guy. But like a lot of footballers, changed when he uh, when he crossed the line slightly, and um, he he turned up for for this game over at, uh, away in Stanway, and uh, he, he just looked cross for the second he arrived. I thought oh, it's gonna be one of those days today, and I think after about ten minutes or so, uh, Ben booked him for for sky that siding somebody down. And uh, I thought I'm, I'm gonna, and then and then he gave him a bit a bit of jip, and I uh, I thought I'm gonna bring him off. I only had exactly twelve players that day, so I brought Greg off, and Greg went and sat by a tree for uh, for an hour. <laughs> looked very happy one bit, <laughs> and uh, and then with, with about ten minutes to go, uh, we 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 were awful that day, and we were getting beat. I don't know, it's probably three 0 or something like that. And um, about ten minutes ago, one of our lads got injured. So I called Greg over and I said, Great, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely fine. Are you 100% sure you're going to be okay? You're not getting out of stuff. So no, no, honestly, I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. And he went back on. And I swear, every lasted 90 seconds, he, 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 he almost decapitated somebody. And Ben was shown in the red card before, uh, before almost I blinked. And then he just walked past me and sat back down by the same tree. And uh, so my question for Ben is, when, like, like, I, th- I suppose for, for us, when you're playing and managing, that, that would play on my mind for the entire day. As a referee, when you're dealing with that, how, how do you, you know, how, how do you manage to sort of leave football behind when you go home, when you get that kind of kind of issues to deal with and jip from from uh, from players? You know, with with young lads, I I really sort of take them a pinch of salt because I actually like their passion. I think it's brilliant, especially like Gregor, you mentioned. I've refereed him three or four times when uh, he was playing for your youth teams and. He was brilliant. Like, he'd always get stuck in. A couple of times I sort of give a little look to the bench to say he might be sort of going. But his passion, his energy was brilliant. And I always, always like young lads and youth lads who've got that sort of enthusiasm. When, it, when it's adults and they, and they take it a little bit further and they get a little bit personal, yeah, I, I can come home and, like, like my wife will tell you, like, I'll sit there and I'll be like gutted for like an hour hour and a half because it it can affect you but adults especially i just think sometimes you don't need to be nasty you can appeal a decision you can say things that you're not a very good referee and stuff but sometimes it's a little bit personal and yeah you know, i've struggled to deal with that at times but i've never thought i'm giving up i always go back and start fresh the next week and give the start on a fresh slate with every player some players think i've got it in for them i really haven't but as soon as they kick off and I book them, they go, oh, you hate, I don't hate you. You're just not adhered to the rules, the laws of the game. I, I can see that because you, you um, I think the reason why I asked a question, you, you, you pretty much said what, I, what, what I've always thought is, is when you cross the line into being personal with somebody, isn't it? I think that, that's where it kind of plays on your mind. Because I have the same kind of thing in my, in my work life. That I don't really take anything personally unless it becomes personal. And I think that must be, particularly for young referees as well, where, when you, you listen to some of the ways they get spoken to, it's terrific at times. And, and you know, they, they almost treat them like they're walking on there to, to go and cheat or to be biased against them, which is crazy when you think about it. It's just such an irrational kind of view, because of course they're not. You know, I, mean, it, it, I guess if there's a, 
a homes team refer- literally re- you know one of the coaches goes and refs the game that might be slightly different when you've got an independent referee he's just refing it as he sees it he might make mistakes obviously like you did Ben occasionally <laughs> I've made a few. I don't yeah. like. I'm still that bitter. That penalty I gave against you once, Mike. Uh, you weren't too pleased about that. I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> so when you were saying you go home for a couple of hours and stew over it, Mike, how many years has that been? And you're still. <laughs> it's not that long. It's probably only six or seven years or something like that. <laughs> well, let's let's hear the decision. What was what was the incident? Well, it, it was it was. Got well, both sides. Mike's team were winning. They were winning five three, and um. Ball's gone in the box. I thought it was handball. I've given the penalty. And and after going, Mike, he shook me hand like he always does, really polite. He just said, you got that wrong. You got that wrong. And I'm like, I didn't. I didn't. But funnily enough, a couple of years later, I was going to a game with Mike and I said, uh, did you think that was a penalty? The PSG game when um, we the VAR did the penalty. You probably all remember that. I said, did you think that was a penalty, Mike? He said, well... He said, well, he's got to give what he gives. And I said, well, what about that one a few years ago? <laughs> and that was loaded, man. That was loaded. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, he, he did me up like a kipper then. <laughs> we, we, we both haven't forgotten it either. So we both... But do, do you know what? Well, I think I remember the game quite well, actually. Because I'd forgotten it for years until Ben mentioned it. But the... Uh, I said, that sound convincing now. But uh, I, I, I remember the game quite well because we, uh, we were given the ball back. And we meant to give the ball back to, to the keeper. There was obviously some injury or something. And we, we should have been giving the ball back to our keeper. And one of our midfield players floated the ball from almost a halfway line over the goalkeeper's head and nestled into the net. And at the time, that, 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 that was a goal. And there was nothing you could do about it. So Ben looked at me as if say, I have to give it. I would never win a game like that. That's just not, not who, who I am. And um, so I said, let them score. So they, they, they kicked off and we let them score. And at the time, I think, I think you're right. I think that made it, uh, I think it was 5-3, but with about 10 minutes to go. <laughs> and, then, and then they got a penalty. And then I'm thinking, this is, this is what being a, a, a sport gets you. It doesn't get you anywhere. You get penalties against you. <laughs> did you win? We did. I think we won 5-3. did win. Yeah, it was did. a cup game. Yeah, it was. But yeah. The, the incident with the drop ball, it was a drop ball. And... It was before um, the new laws coming in, so you could contest it, but it wasn't to be contested because your team said, oh, we'll just give it back to the keeper. So I dropped it. Now, if that just goes straight in, it's not a problem, but the goalkeeper's flat yeah. and he's touched it, so I've had to give the goal. <laughs> but Mike's rightly so. He said to his team, let them run through and score, and they did. Yeah. And obviously that kindness didn't work, did it? It didn't work. And, and I think I always remember at the end of the game as well, after being a bit huffy about the penalty, uh, their the manager didn't even say, oh, well done for that. He just sort of shook my hand and walked off. I thought, I'm not going to bother doing this anymore. I'm going to turn into more, a bit more ruthless. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. We've um, really, really enjoyed yeah, that. Thank you very much. Now, likewise, it's been, it's been a blast. I told you, definitely better than a, the name of a roof. No question. <laughs> yes, yes. That has literally made both of our days. That's what we're going for. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's what there. we're going for. Mike, I've got one last request and I don't know how you feel about this. Um, We're not allowed to play any music on the show because of royalty reasons. However, we are allowed to play original songs and you wouldn't happen to have an original song that you'd want to play on our podcast to have as our outro today, would you? Especially in this topical time. I do actually, yeah. When I started doing those evening... um, 
sort of uh, Facebook live gigs. I, I wrote a song about um, about all the people working on the front line in the NHS and so on and so forth. So yeah, I, I, I actually do. <laughs> Would you be happy to play it for us and, well, and do it? It'd be my pleasure. I'd love to. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yes. Get in, Mike. Here he Look is. Look at this. This is impressive, Mike. You ready? Yeah, let's go. It's hard to take in all that's going on. I couldn't see this coming in ten lifetimes long. But ordinary people do amazing things. Not all angels are born with wings. It's times like this, that material stuff. It ain't worth nothing when times get rough. For every Mike Ashley or Richard Branson, there's a damn wheeled in Rachel Hansen. brilliant amazing so, yeah. My pleasure. thank you very much thank you it's been a blast really oh, enjoyed thank it. you so much for giving up your time it's been absolutely amazing my pleasure i, re I really enjoyed it It was a blast it's but i listened to the one last week it was really good really impressive i really enjoyed it i'm gonna be an avid listener now my, my son's gonna be listening to you every week now as well he loved it oh, <laughs> love it wicked. brilliant so good thank you so much mike really yeah, enjoyed thank you, it. No, thank you it was a blast thanks thank you thank you ben cheers boys thanks, yeah, cheers, ben. thank, thank you, you very much. Much. thanks shane
Thanks, guys. See you later. Cheers, yeah, guys. See you later. Bye. 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 Cheers, bye. guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was ledge. Ledge. Unreal. Unreal. That was that was wicked, wasn't it? That was oh, so definitely. good. Definitely. Definitely. That was unbelievable. First that's probably our first and last live performance we're gonna get unless Absolutely. we get Mike back. Because uh but that was He's just a dream guest, isn't he? He's just like oh. he's coached, he loves football, he's passionate, music. What more can you want? We couldn't have run out of topics. We could we could still be going now. Looking forward to next week now. Buzzing for next week. How are we gonna top that guest? Well, we're not. No. <laughs> we're we're going to have to dig deep. We'll see, we'll see who we can we, get. I've, I've heard some rumours for next week. I think we're looking, we're looking strong for next week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. If you've got any questions or you'd like to appear on the show, send us an email to pod at coachingfromthesofa.co.uk. 